you're a guest with us today, thanks for coming. And uh, uh, maybe uh, you knew we had power. Maybe uh, the the warm air coming out of the building sucked you in here. And uh, but thanks for coming to Renaissance today. And uh, um, we just, as Charlie and I talked, I think it was Thursday or Friday this week, when all of a sudden we realized Sunday was coming, and oh, we have church on Sunday morning. Uh, we just talked about this morning, and uh, you know, we wanted this to be a time to breathe life into people. We wanted this to be a time of hope and encouragement. We wanted this to be a time for us just to come together and kind of just go, what a week. And I'm not sure for you how your week has been, but I'm sure uh, for all of us in this room, it's been a pretty chaotic, emotionally intense uh, experience. And, uh, and I, I, I know for me personally, I've thought a lot about, you know, what do I, what do I teach on, preach on this morning? And, uh, man, I had so many different ideas. I mean, we, we could sit here for like, I don't know, hours and hours. And, uh, but most of you would, wouldn't want that. Or maybe you do because you could just sit there and fall asleep. But, uh, you know, the question I just kept asking God was, God, man, what, you know, in a moment like this, what's that one thing? And, you know, God always shows up in his perfect timing, and he always um, gets you to the place he wants you to, you to be. And so uh, today I just want you to know that this is part of my, my, my journey this week, but it's also, I think, so many people's journey this week. I don't think I'm alone in this. Um, I started thinking about uh, those things this week. Um, just those interesting moments, you know, as uh, uh, you know, the hurricane came in. And I remember Monday and Tuesday uh, uh, just kind of going, okay, now what? And Wednesday and Thursday going, wow, this, is, this, is, this, is, this has happened. And then Friday, an interesting thing happened. But I started thinking about this last week and. uh uh, I put together, uh, I was working on a top 10 things I'm going to miss about this week, but uh, I only came up with eight. So here, here's, my, here's my top eight things I'm going to personally miss after this week. Uh, number eight, uh, I'm going to really miss, uh, you know, all these restaurants, they, they have the limited menu because that's like all the items they could get or it's usually like hamburgers and anything they can fry, which is a great excuse to eat horrible but uh, I love the limited menu thing because, you know, it's not pages. You just, it's like, here's nine items, pick. <laughs> I'm going to miss that. Number seven, I'm going to truly miss living like a caveman. Uh, my wife drew a line in the sand last night. Uh, she said, Chris, you have to take a shower tomorrow. Um, you, you smell. I'm like, do I smell? Oh, I thought that was a dog. <laughs> you know, I'm like, maybe I do smell. We have one of these water, uh, water heaters that is both gas and electric, and so it's, been, it's just been out all week. And I'm like, I just want to go back to like just a gas water heater. And so uh, this morning, literally, uh, she boiled water for me in a pot. And so I took this uh, hot pot of boiling water into the shower and set it down and steamed. And, uh, and then I turned on the water, which was almost icicles coming out of that. And so I was either scalding myself with boiling water or like freezing myself. It was the worst shower experience of my life. But... That's how much I love all of you, and I now don't smell as bad. 
But man, there's something about those caveman days, right? You never had to shower. You just clubbed your, your, your food. You know, you're like, ah, hungry. Uh, okay. Number six, sleep. Uh, uh, I've gotten more sleep this last week because the warmest place in our house is in bed with like eight blankets. So I'm like, oh, this is what, you know, eight hours of sleep a night feels like. It's been great. The thing is you wake up in the morning, it's 50 degrees in your house. You're like, I don't want to get out of bed. It's been hard. Um, Number five, the things I'm going to miss, uh, my most expensive flashlight I possess is my iPhone. And but that little iPhone flashlight app, that's awesome. I want to say thank you to Steve Jobs one day. Number four, uh, I'm not sure if you've already gotten into a morning ritual. Uh, you wake up in the morning, and if you have a generator, if not, you're really bitter right now. You wake up, and it's like there's all these steps I do. I, I gas the generator. I check the oil in the genera- generator. I run the, 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 the main uh, power line into my house and close the window. Like, I do all these things in the morning. I'm like, ah, oh, it's been my new ritual. Oh, by the way, let me confess something. I'm really bitter. For all of those of you out there that have enjoyed the last two or three or four days posting on Facebook and Twitter, we have power! (sighs) I've had some very dark moments this week. I'm like, stop posting that! It's like all around us, you know, it's like people, it's like closing into our house, but not our house. We don't have power. Stop posting. Okay, um... Number three, uh, uh, typing on my, my or, yeah, typing on my laptop uh, when with my fingers absolutely numb. Do you know that feeling? It's great. You can type real fast because you can't feel anything. You're like ah, that's been fun. Uh, uh, number two, uh, I'm going to really miss. Uh, if you walked outside at night, there's this hum over the city wherever you live. Right, it's the generator hum. Is mmm. <laughs> I'm going to miss that. And, and number one uh, thing I'm going to miss, and it might take a second to, to really understand what I'm going to say, but some of you are going to get it right away. Um, I'm going to really miss that Starbucks, especially here at Summit, I'm not sure everywhere, but in Summit, they, they've run out of milk almost every day, which I love personally because uh, I get a five-shot Vinci Americano, which takes time because so many of you order those froofy like mocha latte drinks that take milk. Now, none of you can order those. So I get my, my Americana really quick. Uh, so, so I'm going to miss Starbucks having milk again. So that's my top eight list. I'm sure there's uh, two more, but I just, I don't know. I ran out of time. So this week, you know, we all kind of come in here today, and uh, I'm sure you know, emotionally kind of fried, um, probably physically uh, I know some of you lost power for an hour, and uh, I've had bad thoughts about that too. But, you know, we all come in here, and if you know, you've been watching the news at all, I mean, almost everyone I've talked to, you know, today and this week have has said how blessed they feel because it could have been so much worse. And so it's an interesting emotion, isn't it? I know Tuesday morning I walked out of my house, and... Uh, I walked around my house, and my first feeling was, oh, you know, my house is saved. Like, that was my first gut emotion, was this feeling of release, relief. No tree had fallen on my house. And all of a sudden, I looked next door, and uh, 
right on the other side of our fence, on my neighbor's side, it's an elderly couple. They're in their, their 70s. And there's a tree right there. It's on their property line. And the entire uh, top half of the tree broke off and hit their house. And I sat there going, uh, I wish it would have hit my house. They don't need to deal with this. On the other side of us, our neighbors, they just moved actually to Vegas, which is crazy. They, you know, I'm Vegas here, and they went back to Vegas, which the weather is a little better there. Um, and they had this massive tree come down, just crush their fence, you know? And so they went from relief to almost guilt. Like, ah, I wish it would have happened to us because we're here. And, and so uh, as I've just taken the, the past, especially two days, and said, okay, God, Sunday morning, what, what should I share? What do you want me to share? There's all these thoughts. Help clear it up. God just kind of landed this for me. And I don't know, I hope that today you, you leave with this thought. There's a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 10. And maybe it's one of those stories that uh, uh, you're very familiar with. Uh, maybe you could recite it. Uh, maybe it's a story that you've heard before, but you didn't realize it was from the Bible until today. And maybe today this is the first time you've ever heard the story. But Jesus is telling the story. And uh, the story is captivating, the story is thought-provoking, but uh, so many times we get lost in the story and we miss the greatest point that he gives for us. But let me get to the story first and then we'll get to that point. There was a man, a Jewish man, uh, walking from uh, uh, one city to another city. And... uh, on this journey, he was by himself, and we don't know why he was by himself. Jesus is telling the story. So, you know, it's just one of those things. He was by himself, and it was a, a very dangerous road. Most of the time, people wouldn't travel by themselves from this one city to this other city because how dangerous it was. But he was by himself, and along the way, Roberts came and, and grabbed him and, and beat him and robbed him, and, it, and Jesus said that they left him half dead now, I always kind of laugh when I get to this point, and it's not because it's funny that he's half dead, but uh, there's a movie. Uh, if you're a Mighty Python fan, remember that point when, you know, uh, they're coming down the road, and they're like, bring out the dead, bring out the dead, and the one guy goes, I'm not dead yet. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Jeez. And that's what I think of anyway. Moving on. Some of you are like, Mighty Python? If you've never, anyway. So I always, I, I read that line that he's half dead. I'm like, I kind of chuckle because I'm like, what's half dead? And then I think Mighty Python and I laugh. Okay, moving on. And so he's half dead. And th- this Jewish religious leader comes by and he looks down and he sees this Jewish man. And he says, nope. And he moves to the far opposite side of the road and walks around him and keeps going on his way. A little while later, another Jewish religious leader comes by and sees this Jewish man laying on the the road, robbed, half dead. Moves to the other side of the road and keeps walking. And then Jesus says, a Samaritan man comes and sees this Jewish man laying on the road, beaten, robbed, half dead. And picks him up and bandages him puts him on his donkey, takes him to the next town, takes him to an inn, tells the innkeeper, hey, I need a room for the night. And the Samaritan man stays there the night with this Jewish man. See, one of the very important 
cultural tensions in the story is that Jews absolutely despise Samaritans. Kind of in the order of importance, a Jew back then would put a dog above a Samaritan. That's how much Jews hated Samaritans. They would walk hundreds of miles around Samaria because they didn't want to step foot into Samaria. And don't you think the Samaritan man knew that? Don't you think when he walked up on this Jewish man, he knew exactly who he was and what his nationality was? But yet, he picked him up, he bandaged him, he put him on his donkey, he took him to the inn, he took money from his pocket and paid the innkeeper and said, I'm going to stay the night with him. And not only am I going to stay the night with him, when he woke up the next morning, he told the innkeeper, hey, I got business to do, I got to be somewhere. So whatever it's going to cost to keep this man here until I get back, until he gets healthy, I will pay for that as well. I, I think about the innkeeper. What do you think the innkeeper was thinking? I mean, he, he saw this whole story unfold out in front of him. He knew exactly that this Samaritan man was helping this Jewish man. Can you imagine that story spreading across the city? Do you know what the Samaritan did for this, this Jewish man? I wonder for this Jewish man who, who was kind of coming back into health. I wonder as he laid on the road, beaten, grasping for life, I wonder if he, he noticed that there was two Jewish religious leaders that not only walked by him, but moved to the other side of the road. I wonder what this Jewish man was feeling emotionally when he realized that the Samaritan man was caring for him at such great depth. I wonder if this Jewish man thought, like, would I do the same thing if the roles were reversed? Would I do the same thing if he was laying there and I was coming by? Would I have shown that type of care and that type of mercy and that type of And so many times we get caught up in that story, and it's a great story. But we, it's so easy for us to miss the most important part. You see, Jesus asked a question to the group of people he was talking to. In Luke chapter 10, verse 36, he says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Who was a neighbor? Remember, Jesus was changing the paradigm of culture back then. And he was saying, hey, you love God first, but you love each other, your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Anyone you connect with. Anyone whose path crosses across your path. Your neighbor is everyone. It's fitting why Jesus used the Samaritan as a hero in the story to an audience of Jews who despised Samaritans. So he asked the question. It says in verse 37, the expert in the law, he would have been the oldest person there, the most educated person there, the person who knew 
It'd been the Old Testament part of the Bible, the best. He spoke up. And I wonder if he paused, trying to think through another answer, another way, because there's no way that this expert of the law wanted to say the word Samaritan. And actually, he didn't even say the word Samaritan. Listen to how he responded. The one, the one who had mercy on him. And here's the most important part of this entire story. It's what Jesus says back. He says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. You see, that's the most important part of the entire story. It's the most important part. But so many times we get caught in the story and we miss Jesus' clear and simple command. Go and do likewise. As I mentioned, you know, Monday and Tuesday was just hunkering down like probably all, all, all of us in this room was just like, ah, oh, and Tuesday was just going, oh, did we survive? Yes. What's the damage? I found myself kind of Wednesday and Thursday just trying to figure out what was going on. And the news reports started coming in and I was just kind of having that feeling of, yeah, how does this impact me? How does this impact my family? How does this impact life? How does this, how does this? And it was very internal. I kind of had my, my head down you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do with our kids and school and get them to grandparents in Pennsylvania and then generator and gas and gas shortages and all this stuff. And my wife and I were just kind of in that survival mode. I'm sure we're not the only ones in this room. But then something happened Friday morning. I had gone through my morning routine, got the generator started, got everything plugged in, made a fire. I'm really good at making fires right now. Got the fire started, and I pulled this big chair right up against the fireplace so I'd be warm. I brought out my laptop because I had some work, you know, get thing, keep things going. And, but I was kind of doing some email as I was also uh, uh, reading some news and listening to some news on, on my, my laptop. And uh, I started reading about what was going on in Staten Island. And my heart just kind of like sank. And right in that time, my phone rang. And there was a lady on the other, uh, on the other uh, side of the, the call and uh, just goes to Renaissance, loves Renaissance, uh, has come here for years. And uh, she said, Chris, we got to do something. She goes, it's bad on Staten Island. And then she asks kind of a question. She, question. she goes, well, can we? I'm like, yeah, we can. I go, what are you thinking? She goes, well, I, I found a, a police officer on Staten Island. And I'm like, how? to this day, I don't know how she found him. She found some random police officer on Staten Island. And he goes, we need food. And she goes, so I'm thinking like sack lunches. I'm like, great. Well, how many sack lunches? She goes, I don't know. And so we continued to talk. And all of a sudden, the number 1,000 came out. Do you know how much food that is? I realized that at Costco, as we we're loading just pallets of food. But we're like 1,000 lunches. What if? By the time my wife and I got back to the opera house, we came up to the third floor and already a whole team of 30 plus people had assembled. I don't know how they all found out, but they all found out, they all came. And uh, we started to assemble lunches. Someone had this idea to, to make a little card that just said, you know, Renaissance Cares, we're praying for you. 
And it wasn't so much about Renaissance, but we wanted people to know that a church is caring. It's about the church capital C, not about us. And so we're putting these little cards in these sack lunches, and uh, uh, there's a team of us that went to Staten Island. There's another team, because we had so much extra food. I think we made over 1,200 uh, sack lunches, somewhere around there. And then we had stacks of uh, 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 granola bars and juice boxes, you name it. We had so much food, which was awesome. And, uh, and so another team took uh, a bunch of lunches to Summit Middle School for people there. Uh, another person came by and said, hey, there's people in New Providence that needs food. So they took a bunch of food in New Providence. And then there's uh, this team that we went to Staten Island. And what we knew was we had one phone number for one police officer in Staten Island. From this point, the story gets so ridiculous that I couldn't make this story up. I'm just telling you. You know, there's moments where you just go, okay, God, I I see how big you are. So we drive to Staten Island, which this was my first time ever to Staten Island, and nothing against Staten Island, but wow. And um, (laughs) so uh, we make our way across the bridge, and uh, we find the shelter that this one police officer told us to go to, and we got there, and uh, they, they're like, we need no more food. We have enough food. And uh, somehow we got two names of two other places. And they're like, you could try there. One of those places, I'm not, I'm not making this up. It was called the Drunken Monkey. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what? They're like, yeah, they, they say that it's a relief center, that they need the food at the Drunken Monkey. I'm like, we're going to the Drunken Oh, um, why not? At this point, my day had just been rolling like that. And so we, uh, my car had uh, happened to be the first one there. And so I pull up to this intersection. We knew it was on the corner of Jewett and uh, Jefferson. So we pull up and we're looking around for the drunken monkey and uh, we couldn't see it. And so I rolled down my window and there's a police officer there. And I just said, hey, hey sir, do you know where the drunken monkey is? And he quickly was like, no, I don't know. But you see, on the corner... Uh, uh, was a gas station. There's probably like 200 people in line with just gas cans, like real. And, uh, and so this whole line of guys overheard me ask this police officer about the drunken monkey. And in unison, unison they were all like, oh, it's right there. I'm like, oh, wow, this is crazy. So we found the drunken monkey and I, I, I stood there in the corner going, that, this can't be it. There's no way. I'm not going in there. I'm never going to come back out alive. <laughs> So I call um, uh, this one person and said, hey, 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 are you sure they said the drunken monkey? She goes, yeah, this drunken monkey. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm outside the drunken monkey. This can't be a relief center. She goes, they said the drunken monkey. She goes, I'll be there. So she gets there, gets out of the car, and we both look, and she goes, you want to go in? I said, no. (laughs) So we walked in, and right when we walked in the doors, there's all these bags of clothing, and we realized it really was a relief center. It was, it was such an ironic situation because on one side, there's all these bags of clothing and supplies. On the other side was this row of drunk people, and, uh, and they were having a good time. And so uh, we found a couple ladies. We're like, we have food. They're like, oh, we need food. And we're like, okay. Uh, but you have to understand, we have a lot of food. They're like, how much is a lot? Three, like two minivans and an SUV full of food. They're like, awesome, bring it in. So we started unloading all of this, uh, these bags of, of, of lunches in the drunken monkey. And I'm like, this, this can't get any crazier. And God said, yes, it could. And so we got everything unloaded into the drunken monkey and we're sitting there going, well, okay. They're very thankful. You know, a couple of ladies were just crying because they were so thankful for the food. And all of a sudden walked in from the, from the front door, this lady 
that I'm just telling you that if I was in a cage uh, fight, me and her, I would just lay down on the mat and say, you win. <laughs> she walked in and I'm like, oh, I'm scared. And she walked in and, and all of a sudden I heard all this talking. They're like, hey, you know who that is? Who, you know who that is? My wife's you know, kind of elbowing me and goes, do you know who that is? I'm like, no, but why do you know who she is? She's scary, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden I find out that her name is Big Ange. Okay, if you're laughing, you know, you just sold out. Okay, Big Ange was on this show called um, Mob Wives. She now has a VH1 show called Big Ange. I went home that night, and you know what I watched? I watched many episodes on VH1 Big Ange, and it is great entertainment. I tell you, it's a whole different world there. And so Big Ange comes in. I'm like, she's a mob wife? Yep, she was a mob wife. She's a reality TV show star. And then following her was another gal named Little Jen. I'm now Twitter followers of Big Ange and Little Jen, and they've now followed me awesome. And so they come in and they're like, you guys have food. We have food. Actually, Big Ange talks more like this. You have food. I'm like, yeah. And, uh, and, and so we find ourselves now taking all these lunches from the drunken monkey and putting them in Big Ange's and Little Jen's and other people's cars. I'm like, oh, it can't get crazier. It does. <laughs> so we load everything back up and they're just overjoyed. They're like, people need food. At this point, my wife and I realized that uh, we, we had left the house that morning to go on a nice romantic date, and uh, that was 9 a.m., and now it's like 7 p.m., 8 p.m., and we realized our little uh, 10-pound Morky had been locked in her cage all day. And so literally, we were like, we got to go rescue our dog, you know? And so the rest of the team were like, we got it, you're good. So we take off, and next thing I know it, my phone starts lighting up with text messages. You can't believe where we are. You can't believe where we are. I'm like, oh, no. Where did Big Ange and Little Jen take you? <laughs> They took him to the heart of South Beach that got absolutely destroyed. To this one small little storefront church. All the houses, the entire surrounding area lost power except for this one small storefront church. And Big Ann and Little Jen knew exactly the place that was getting it done. On that little card that we put in every little lunch sack had an email address just because we thought maybe, you know, if someone needed help or whatever, we just wanted to have a contact with someone. And we got this email yesterday. Thank you on behalf of Alex Circle. I'm, I'm guessing that's a whole area. We really appreciate the donations your church brought. I woke up today not knowing where I was going to get food. And I was so grateful to see I had a meal waiting for me. I appreciate it, and I thank you for your generosity. See, Friday morning, I still have my head down. I wish I could sit here today and say, you know, I'm the pastor. I had the idea. I rallied the troop. But no, I had my head down. And it was one person who picked up the phone who had an idea to say, we have to do something. And God used her to lift my head. God used her, her phone call, to lift so many people's heads to say, we got to do something to help someone go and do likewise. 
See, an idea, a simple idea leads to action. And that action leads to such a great impact. A lot has transpired in the last 48 hours. If you could put kind of that map thing up on the, on the screen. We now have connections on Staten Island. This little church that we took the, 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 the food to is called Worship and Praise Community Church. And uh, Pastor Jones and uh, Sister Wanda, uh, they are getting it done. You can go on the internet and they have a, a Ustream camera that's just showing the relief efforts right now, what they're doing. We're partnering with them. There's a church in New York City called Forefront Church. We're partnering with them. There's a church on Long Island called Centerpoint. We're partnering with them. You know, we're still looking for needs here in Summit, New Providence, the surrounding area. But we all know that the needs here are so much different than some of these other areas. Right now, uh, there's a whole host of people in New York City and Central Park. And uh, this kind of underground movement kind of took off uh, called Run Anyway. Because there's so many people that were going to run the New York City Marathon. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm I'm glad they canceled it. Um, But there's so many people that were running not for a PR, but they're running for someone. One of our staff members was running for someone. And, uh, and so this whole group of people got together and said, what if we ran and just did it in Central Park, but yet we also use it to raise money and collect donations for people in need? And so they've turned this whole thing around, and they're doing it right now. And the stories are just coming out of this. But today, we have an opportunity to go and do likewise. And I know many of you already are. I mean, story after story has come in this week, people just taking a chainsaw, walking down their, their, their neighborhood, helping people clear trees. I know if you're a police officer or a fire, fireman, um, woman, uh, if you're a medical uh, uh, professional, uh, your whole world's been helping people all week. But I know many of you are just asking, how, how can I help? I want to help, I want to help. And so we want to share with you um, how you can help. And these are kind of the top five things that you can do right now to help. Uh, if you could put that top five on the, on, up on the screen, that'd be awesome. Very cool. Um, uh, I talked with Sister Wanda uh, yesterday, and I said, hey, can we bring like food and all these supplies? She goes, we don't need any more supplies. She goes, we have so much food and clothing and blankets. She goes, the two things we need is this. We need portable heaters. And uh, she goes, the next greatest need is going to be people because, you know, the, they got uh, maybe four walls, maybe two and a half walls, but they're going to need heaters to stay warm, especially with this cold front coming in. She goes, we need heaters. She goes, we, we went to Home Depot, bought out all of Home Depot. And I go, so what do you need, like 100, 200? She goes, as many heaters as you can bring. Uh, I had someone after the, the first service say, hey, you're also going to need, need extension cords. I'm like, great thought. And so he's going out to buy extension cords. Uh, if you have a, a portable heater at home, go grab it, bring it back. Uh, if you don't have one at home, uh, go to the store and grab one or two or buy the entire case. I, I don't know. Bring, we need heaters. Uh, the second thing that, that Sister Wanda said, uh, uh, they need just human power. She goes, everyone on Staten Island, they're just, man, they're just hunkering down. They're not leaving their homes. They're in shock and they're scared. And so they have all these uh, donations, but they can't get them to people. She goes, we just don't have the manpower. 
I asked her, I go, how are you doing? She goes, we are just absolutely exhausted, but we can't quit. We need people on the ground to get into homes, to find the people and ask what you need and to deliver the stuff to them. She goes, we just don't have enough people. She goes, your greatest thing you can give is have people come there. Uh, Charlie was telling me today that he just had a Broadway friend and they delivered all, the, all these items to Staten Island. I think it was Staten Island. And the same story. Thank you, but we, can't, we need people here to deliver them. We don't have enough people to get these items into people's hands. And so today at 1.30, we have a whole team of people meeting outside. Uh, I'm asking for at least 50 to go. I, I would love for 150 to go. And go spend four or five hours just loving on people and serving people and finding people and delivering goods to people and asking them, what do you need? And going finding their need. All morning, I've been saying yes to people. Yes, you have an idea? Yes, 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 yes. Let's just, let's just let's get people helping. If you want to meet, meet out there, meet out there. If you're not sure if you have enough gas, we're trying to find gas. If you don't have a vehicle, we'll pack you in. You know, like we'll figure it out. We have gas, we have gas. There we go. Um, I think Joe just drilled a, a well for gas, um, which if you know Joe, he, he could get that done. Um, we have 100 gallons. Look at that, 100 gallons coming. But if you get gas, you better go to Staten Island or we'll haunt you down and pull out your fingernails. Oh, that was a really sick thought right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, human power. We need people out there. So 1.30 today. Uh, just go. I know you, I, I get some, you might be sitting there going, I'd love to, but next time I'll go. No, just go today. I woke up Friday morning wanting to go on a date day with my wife and I had one goal is to, to, to find me a big hot steak. And uh, I ate a peanut butter and jelly instead of on the way to Staten Island. That was my Friday. Just go. You know, football's on, that's okay. Dallas is going to lose tonight anyway. It doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't matter. Oh, they're horrible. Um, but, but right now, they, they need human power. So portable heaters, human power. Uh, the third thing is, um, there's a, a, the church on Long Island is called Centerpoint Church. Brian uh, McMillan, he's the lead pastor there. Amazing story. Grew up in Long Island. His number one goal was to get off of Long Island and never come back. And, uh, and so he did that. And all of a sudden, God said, no, Brian, I want you to go back to Long Island. Not only do I want you to go back to Long Island, I want you to be a pastor of a church. And he said, no. And God said, yes. And so God won out. God has a way of doing that. And um, they lost their entire church. It's gone. I said, do you need like relief effort supplies? He goes, no, we have all these supplies. He goes, I don't have a church. And so they need a box truck. Why? Because they're going to have to be portable for the next six to seven months. This morning, they had a theater give, uh, give them a, a space for free for this morning. But he has no idea what next week and the week after. And so he, I go, what's your greatest need? And he hesitated. And I said, no, Brian, I want to know your greatest need. He goes, I need a box truck so I can put supplies in it and, and we can have church on a Sunday morning because we don't know where we're going to be every Sunday. I said, you know what? Let me see. If you know someone, have a connection, it can be used, it can be new, it could you know, not run as long as it has four tires. I mean, we can get a mechanic to fix it. It could be on, on loan, however, but he needs a box truck so that they can start putting supplies in it so that they can have church because their church is gone. I mean, he sent me photos. And uh, it's like a lake in the middle of their church building. I mean, stuff floating on the water. I said, let me see what we can do. I called another a friend of mine, pastor of mine in New York City uh, at another church called Forefront. And uh, I asked Matt, I said, Matt, what do you need? I go, I, I want something significant that we can help with. He goes, uh, can I get back with you? I said, please. So two hours later, he called me back. 
And he said, Chris, I, I got it for you. He goes, we have four families right now, all live by the Con Ed building in Manhattan. They've lost everything. They don't have a place to live. They don't have a place to go. They have young kids. And they're trying to figure out, like, do we leave the city? But they can't leave the city because they need the job and their kids have school, but yet they have nowhere to go. And financially, they have nothing. They don't have a big savings account. And Matt goes, we have four families and they, need, uh, they each need a month's worth of rent just to get them through this month. And then we can help them try to find a longer term plan. I said, how much is that? He goes, somewhere between twelve dollars to $15,000. He goes, just a small one bedroom, three dollars $4,000. You guys get the city. He goes, if you could help one or four of those families, whatever. It's right now what we can do. And, and one of the biggest things is this, is financial donations, which I know some of that's in there. Because right now, needs are arising like this. Real needs, real families, real people that we can help now. And if you have time, leverage your time to help people. If you have financial resources, whether that's a dollar, $10,000, leverage your financial blessings to help people. And this is what I want you to know. I know there's a lot of great relief organizations out there. And I... I'm not, I'm not accusing them of anything, but this is what I want you to know. 100% of what you give through Renaissance Church to Sandy Relief, 100% of it is going to go straight to people. There's no administrative fees or percentages that get taken off. 100%. We have a special uh, uh, link that you can go on our website, click on it. It will say Sandy Relief. 100% that goes in that account will go to people. Second thing you need to know is this. We can help people today. I get $10,000 today. I'm calling my friend Matt and saying, Matt, those four families, start looking for a place now because we got cash is coming to you. We can help. There's no red tape. There's no delay. There's no uh, 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 bureaucracy. There's nothing. It's real time. And that's why we're going through churches. Churches that are getting it done on the ground. And I just want you to know we're that committed to find people that are on the ground helping people now. It's not going to get lost. It's not going to go sit in an account somewhere where it sits, sits, sits and waits that when the money comes in already, I think we're up to $7,500, just in the last two services. I don't even know what's online. But as soon as this money comes in, it's going straight to people. Go to people, go to people. That needs list is going to change as we go. The, the greatest question we can ask to these churches is this, what's your greatest need? And let us help meet your greatest need. And so that's the top five right now. As new needs arise, we're going to put, update that on our Facebook and our website and Twitter. Uh, and so we'll let you know. But we're serious about going and doing likewise. If you're already helping other organizations, great. If you're already on the ground helping people, awesome, keep doing this. But if you're looking for a way to help and get involved and leverage yourself, it's a great place to start. I've been humbled all weekend. Not because I've been shocked about people's response. But you just kind of sit back and realize that these are great moments. Through absolute devastation, great moments. Where God can take his church and his people and touch lives. See, I think about 
a phone call that led to lunches, that led to the drunken monkey, that led to Big Ange and Little Kim, that led to Sister Wanda and Pastor Jones. That's the story only God can orchestrate. And he just needs people like you and I. We need financial donations. We need heaters. We need a box truck. We need to find four families a place to live, money for rent. And the needs are going to keep growing. This nor'easter is coming in, and there's going to be more needs. And we as a church can do something about it. We can't solve everything, but we can start impacting life after life after life after life. One other thing tonight, and I think the group from Staten Island will be back around probably six or seven. I mean, once it gets dark, there's not much more you can do. Um, but tonight at six o'clock here, um, we're just going to have a time to hang out. We're going to have pizza and food and drinks. Um, we're going to have a, a time of prayer, and then we're just going to watch movies. On the second floor is going to be a kid's space, and they're going to watch, I think, Madagascar 3. Uh, up here, we're going to watch movies, play games, hang out, just have a good time. And uh, um, we just thought it was important to be together. Uh, and so I just want to invite you to do that as well. And go out to Staten Island, work all afternoon, come back, be hot and smelly, that's okay. And uh, uh, come back to heat. And, and I know we're, we're trying to get the game on. Dave, no pressure. He's shaking his head right now. He's saying, you didn't say that. I did. But... um. Here's a thought to leave you with. Go and do likewise. Most important thing you can do today is go and do likewise. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the overwhelming generosity that has already poured out of this place today. Man, Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for that phone call Friday morning to lift my head up to get my head out of my own emotional issues and chaos, focus on where it needs to be focused. Lord, I'm so thankful for that phone call. Lord, I'm so thankful for the people here that have already jumped in to leverage who they are and their passions and their gifts and their connections and their resources. Lord, we can't solve this problem, but Lord, we can touch so many lives. I pray for that those families on Alex Circle and Staten Island. Lord, I pray that your peace will just rest upon them. In your name I pray, amen.